Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it is October the 2nd. Hard to believe you wouldn't have thought that yesterday. Um, we're at the football game last night. Good to see the Stamps playing so well and beautiful, beautiful uh, September or I guess October day to watch a football game. Nice and warm. Felt like the summertime. And of course the Stamps, uh, they played pretty well last night. They're looking pretty good. So that was a lot of fun, and uh, it's just good to be out and enjoying the beautiful weather, and which we're going to be doing, it looks like, for the next couple of weeks. Look great. So lots of gardening we can do. And I'm going to bring uh, Terry's joining me today from down at uh, Spruce It Up. He's uh, down at the tree lot. Good morning, Terry. Hey, good morning, Merle. How are you doing today, man? Doing pretty good. Good, good. Hey, Terry. Um just looking around, I'm seeing a few things um, in the trees. We're starting to get the yellowing in the middle of a lot of our spruce trees. So um, they're going through that shedding cycle. And I think it's going to be a little bit more this year, just with it being so dry. Um, what, what else are you seeing that? And, and what else are people coming in asking you about? Yeah, we've had a lot of people um, coming in little concerned about the yellowing in the middle of their, their evergreens and rest assured that uh, keep telling people that they're supposed to do that that's part of their natural process but yeah you're right this year might just be a little more um, a little more exaggerated in terms of the amount of uh, needle drop we get on the inside because we've had you know such a great hot summer for us but um, not a whole lot of precipitation so <clears throat> no we got to uh, and we got to help them out through these uh, I was talking to uh, uh, to a climatologist and he was saying that uh, or a climate um, whatever climate change expert type guy and he was saying that Canada is going to be the only country that's going to benefit from global warming <laughs> um, in ways of our growing season's going to go a little bit longer things like that so it, it's not doom and gloom for Canada, <laughs> maybe for other parts of the world, but hey, for Canada, we're looking pretty good. So we're going to be okay. able to grow like, I know I hear a lot of the farmers have uh, record crops and things like that. So I'm going to try uh, and remember that when it's minus 35 outside. So yeah, that's the part that I, yeah. I can shed some more of that. That's okay. <laughs> Because they say this year's La Nina or, or El Nino, I'm not sure which one, but it's supposed to hit us with a lot of winter. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, with this, well, stay, with this. Stay tuned, right? Yeah, it is. It's funny when they when I do, because I and I ask the question, why are all the records of these 25 or 29, 30 degree days always from like 1920? Like, if it was, I was that was always just my challenge. I always like to throw this out well if it was that warm then what were they doing yeah <laughs> so it, so it always just seems to be way back when is when the record days were so anyways i, I have a, it's a bit of a cycle but he was just saying it's accelerated but i guess we all just stay tuned and see what happens and uh yeah and take advantage we can and, and i and i still and i've said it on here lots i canada has done i think a great job on what we do um, as far as, uh, carbon and all that stuff, cleaner cars, cleaner house, cleaner, plant more trees that helps as well. 
Um, but trees need carbon. If we get rid of all the carbon, it's not so good either, right? So it's well, trying exactly. to find yep. trying to find that balance. Those greenhouses they actually pump carbon in into the greenhouses to get the plants to grow better, better. <laughs> and I and I was hearing on the news, and it was actually on one of the talk shows here on QR. There, this this greenhouse guy is getting um, taxed excessively because he's pumping carbon into his greenhouse so he's having to pay way more carbon tax so it's oh, making okay. his uh his lettuce and whatever else way more expensive so anyways um well like i said we'll leave that to the guys during the week they talk about that kind of stuff <laughs> we'll talk about all the good fluffy we'll flowers on the and, weekend yeah <laughs> yeah sure and we'll talk about all the fluffy <laughs> fluffy stuff which is good i do much better with that um Got a quick question here on the text. Should we take those needles off of our lawns? Yeah, off the lawn, yes. Um, underneath the trees, I, I'm an advocate of of creating a, a bed underneath the spruce trees. Like go to the drip line, and that's the furthest point of where the branches reach to. I prefer to um, make an edge at that end of that let the needles fall in there. I prefer to see bark mulch put on there. And when the needles get excessive, you can mix them in, add another little layer of mulch. And that, that just creates a natural forest floor that's going to protect your trees. Um, the bugs going in there, uh, it's going to be really uncomfortable for them to crawl through there because it's really pokey. And that's why Mother Nature is doing those things. And uh, just trying to create that natural forest floor for for the for the spruce trees and all the evergreens. Not so good for other ones, Terry. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and keeping that area under those trees um, with the natural um, natural mulch uh, is going to contribute to the best best health for, for those trees as well. Um, I see a lot of people come into the garden center and we run into problems when they, um, they see it a lot in commercial landscapes and they want to put gravel everywhere and they'll pull gravel right up to the trunk of the tree. And yeah. I think gravel is fine, but keep it away from the drip line of, of, of your trees. Uh, allow that area to be open and breathe. Um, it allows, um, you know, water and nutrients to get through easily. Uh, and rock is really tough to, to garden in. Like, it, it's a heat sink, so it sort of <clears throat> absorbs a lot of heat during the day and kicks Absolutely. it off at night. So um, leaving those spaces open with a natural living mulch to the drip line of the trees will um, probably one of the best things you can do for the healthier plant. Yeah, and plus it's really hard to keep clean oh, sure. underneath yeah. a spruce tree. Like if you have rundle or rock or any of that kind of stuff, really hard to keep clean. So let, let don't fight Mother Nature. Let's work with it. Create those beautiful areas underneath. Add a couple boulders. Um, do a couple things. Rocks grow great underneath spruce trees, so just so everyone knows, <laughs> yeah. you can put a couple big boulders. <laughs> but it gives a nice natural look. And instead of trying to fight it, because if you're trying to grow something underneath there, it's just it's not gonna do well. It's gonna it's a battle. Yeah. So anyways. If you want to join Terry and I, phone lines are wide open. You can call us at 403-974-8255. Um, that is the talk and text line. And uh, we'll be here to take all your calls and uh, and text as well. Um, a couple other things um, I'm seeing. I seen you were planting some bulbs this week, Terry. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to um, sort of spruce up uh, what we have going on the front of the store. So 
um, poking in some of uh, our bigger um, allium bulbs. Um, Ambassador uh, was what I was poking in out there. Um, oh, nice. That's a n- nice, nice big allium, um, probably about a seven, eight inch diameter uh, head on that. So um, those are the ones that we get a lot of people um, in the spring asking where those bulbs are. And uh, we, you know, sadly, we have to tell them that our time to plant them was in the fall. Um, but uh, they're, they're super showy um, and, and a real, real nice one, that, that ambassador. So, yeah, that's what I was doing out there. And I still have plans to keep going right through October. So, um, And if, if anybody's coming to spruce it up, we have a planter right behind the spruce it up rock when you first drive through the parking lot. And there's a big artichoke in there. And when the bloom gets to a certain stage, it almost looks like it was dead. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful purpley color starts coming out of the center of it. So it's just starting to bloom now. And it's just beautiful. Like it's yeah. a, the big artichoke. And I was like, I was like, maybe I should cut those off. They look kind of hideous um, a, a week or two ago. Then all of a sudden, I see them, the color starts changing on the inside. And this blooming, unbelievable. So. If you if you're driving by and you take a look at that artichoke, and I was kind of disappointed because I I grew those last year in my <laughs> planters, didn't even get a bud or anything, and these things are out in the middle of the parking lot. Like lucky if they get water once a week, if someone remembers to water them, and they're just <laughs> flourishing out there and uh, and creating those big blooms. So they're they're definitely drought tolerant. I would say. Yeah. Definitely very happy where they are, for sure. Yeah, so if you like to ignore your plants, um, and they're actually kind of cool. They're kind of a silvery thistle color, like the foliage, um, really kind of nice. And then you get these big um, artichoke um, that come out of them. And and th- are these the ones – can you eat these ones, Terry, or are they – Yeah, I, I did some investigating on that. So they're they're uh, edible um, and uh, ornamental. They're – do both. You can just leave them and let them be, or you can harvest them and, and use them. Okay. So you're going to be making some artichoke dip for us? or what? Some artichoke dip, yeah. <laughs> I might, I might, might be past its prime on the one, but I'll have to snoop around and see if there's something else that I can pull off of it. So they, um, <laughs> they've been very prolific yeah. there. Yeah. Definitely repeat yeah, that no, for next I year. was super super impressed with the – and I just like seeing the purple. And it's kind of neat because it's late in the season – but again, like you were saying, though, if you want to see those spring bulbs, right, or spring colors, um, right now we got a plant uh, in the fall. And but if you're looking for some fall color or something that can go through the season, um, these artichokes are kind of a they're kind of a thriller in a pot. So if you have a big, big pot, because they're a big plant, um, you need a, need a nice big pot, and they will uh, they will actually do really, really, really quite well for you. Yeah, even if, Anyways, it didn't, even if it didn't fruit, I would grow it just for the foliage alone. Yeah, well, that's what I did last year. So, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break for the for uh, just some commercials. And when we get back, if you want to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Coverage Year-Round Full-Service Garden Center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. 
And we are getting some good questions coming in on the text line. And the phone lines are almost full. We have room for one more. Um, 403-974-8255. Um, let's go right to the phone lines. We're going to go to Carol. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Merle. How are you? I'm doing great. How can we help you? Well, you sure can. I know you will. So this spring I went in, I bought several canna lily and begonia yeah. bulbs or rhizomes, whatever they're called, from you. And now yeah. I'd like to know how to overwinter them. Have you? Have they gone through any of their freezing yet? Have they? Or are they still looking good? The begonia looks great. The canna lilies look a bit tough. Okay. You know, so basically, okay. Basically, what you want to do is just wait till the first heavy frost, and they'll kind of go black and kind of look like they got froze. Um, and after that, then you just dig them out of the soil, um, cut off the foliage that froze all the all the rotten fo all the foliage and all that because it'll kind of go mushy after the first right. frost. Mm -hmm. And just dig them out, cut that off, knock off a bunch of the soil, let them sit outside for two or three days, and just let them dry out nice, get nice and dry. Um, and if you have some fungicide at that time like some copper spray or something like that, you can sprinkle some of that on there. And uh, and then just store them in a cool, dark place, like inside a, a cardboard box or an old styrofoam cooler with some dry, really, really dry, either potting soil or cocoa moss or something like that or peat moss. And just put them in the coolest, darkest place you got. And they should be good till next uh, March, sort of April, whenever you want to pull them out and replant them at that time. That's perfect. You're saying the coolest spot you've got. Would that without also, freezing? Yeah. Yeah. So that that could actually go into an unheated garage. Um, that might be a little bit cold. Um, for those right. because depends how cold depends how unheated. Like if it if it has insulation and stuff, it I I would put it just in a cool basement or in somewhere. The basement. Yeah, just right. somewhere cool. That's just not going to. Because if it gets too cold with that, some of these bulbs, they'll they'll freeze and go mush on you. So, all right, is the African violet? Do you overwinter them in the same way? African violets usually we just grow them in the house. Okay. Um, and just let them just continue to just to grow in the house like a house plant. All right. So since they've been so since uh, they've been outside all summer. Would I or should I need to worry about when I bring it in, bringing any insects in? Um, African violets. Um, do you, I've, I've never really seen them being put outside, but if you have put them outside, I will check them. The, the only thing is they don't like any kind of moisture on their leaf. Like right. they will. So to, to spray them, you're going to cause probably more damage. So I would look underneath and see if there's anything underneath there. Um, how did they do outside for you? Absolutely tremendous. I bet. Yeah, no, I was thinking yeah. about that now. As you said, I'd, I've never really seen them, but actually they'd be nice to sitting on the... Did you have them just in a pot, like out on the table or something? Or um, I have a huge one that had enormous white blooms, probably went up close to five feet uh, in okay. height. And okay, is it African violet blue? or is it something else? Like I'm thinking African violet, like the house. Did I say African violet or African yes. lily? Agapanthus. Oh. Okay. Terry, that's more your specialty. 
Yeah, Egg of Panthers. I'm so sorry. I was going to say, a five-foot African violet. We got something going here. (laughs) We're going to get some cuttings of that. Yeah. 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 Um, Egg of Panthers is is one that's a perennial that would be pushing our zone here for sure. So it does need some extra protection. Um, And, uh, yeah, same with the... um, the, the can is you need to pull that in uh, in a protected space. Um, a lot of people do grow it on uh, as a house plant, but you're going to want to find a really cool part of your house, um, bright, sunny, cool, and um, it. Even though it is uh, um, we're treating it as a house plant, uh, it is still a perennial, so it does need that period of dormancy. It's just a little different than the dormancy we would give a plant here by you know, leaving it outside to reset over winter. So. Definitely bring it in, but just uh, make sure you um, stop the fertilizing on it and then keep it in a very cool, cool, bright spot. But, but still bright. Yep, yep, you bet. Okay. Well, thanks for all your um, help uh, to the both of you, and I'm really sorry. Uh, you just seemed so surprised when I talked about this five foot high, and I didn't yeah. realize I was talking <laughs> yeah. about the wrong one. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, wow. I'm impressed, but because I was thinking um, African violet outside, because it actually could be quite nice on the patio table, like because it would probably enjoy yeah. the sun, be outside, it'd probably make a nice table plant. So I'm thinking, okay, but anyway. when you said five feet tall, you kind of threw me off there. So <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. Thanks, and Carol. Have a great day. All right, bye bye. You too. Bye bye. Um, yeah, that one would uh, that would be kind of cool if that happened. Um, it's got another text here. It just says, Merle, seems like an exceptional fall with squirrels dropping hundreds and hundreds of tree cones. Um, literally a ground cover seems like another cyclic. Um, absolutely. Um, I've never really seen this many cones on a lot of evergreens. And a lot of this is triggered, I, I think, mainly by being a little extra dry. Um, what are you thinking, Terry? Yeah, that's um, that's my sort of thoughts too. Is that as the you know, if they go through a really stressful period, I mean, that's their their opportunity to to reproduce, right? Yeah. So, um, if they're if they're somewhat stressed, it kind of sends a signal to them that, hey, we're we're not going to make it, but we need to make sure that there's a next generation here. So they'll go a little little crazy in those times with um, cone production. Um, and yeah, I've, I've noticed it too. Like just oh, yeah, trees, trees are leaning solid. over. Yeah, I know Mark's yeah. getting lots of calls to come over and fix and taking them off the top and that. But it is good for the squirrels. I got a little chum, chipmunk in my yard. He just sits there and eats cones all day. He's loving it. So, <laughs> anyways, we got to take a quick break for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. Um, welcome back, Terry. Um what like I've just seen so many beautiful the colors and the trees are really coming out. Do you have a couple of favorites that you're seeing right now, Terry, on the color? Yeah, there's there's a few that are kind of standing out to me. Um, in particular, the uh, this year, the uh, double flowering plum. Um, I just love that sort of pale orange, soft pink um, okay. that the leaves are turning on that. Um, I've been noticing that uh, a lot uh, around uh, around my area. I actually have one that I, um, a bigger one that I, I managed to find uh, this summer, potted up 
um, on my deck actually, and hasn't gone in the ground yet. But I mean, it's it's stunning. It's it's such a picture right now. So, oh wow, so the, yeah. So that that's and one that's that one I've never really thought of for fall color. So I'm glad you mentioned that. What other ones are you seeing that year? Yeah, that you're um, other ones that are standing out to me um, are um, obviously the maples. Uh, the Amber maple um, seems to do the best year for us for fall color. So I'm noticing lots of those. Um, and and that's one that we can actually grow as a tree or a shrub form. So if you haven't got space for a tree, um, the shrub form um, works quite well. So um, it's those big, bright, you know, blocks of, of, of red. We get lots of yellow, lots of oranges, but the red seem to... Um, yeah, you try and find some red or orange. Yeah. Yeah. So another that one... That is I, that Turkestan burning bush. Yeah, I... Uh, I did a little garage sailing uh, on the weekend with my family and um, went into a yard in the High River that had a beautiful Turkestan um, burning bush. It was probably four or five feet tall. Um, and just the flowers on it right now were just like, just something else. So. That is, and it's this year seems like I've noticed them a bit before, but this year the flowers on those, I don't know, just seem exceptional. Like yeah. just that little bright pink, beautiful. And on the foliage, they just they just love what happened this year with the weather. So they're looking awesome. Yeah, that's a really interesting plant because it sort of sits, kind of, kind of sits in the corner, you know, quiet, um, unnoticed for the most part. Um, I mean, it's a beautiful texture plant, you know, those short green needles. But um, in the fall is when it really comes into its own because it's all the leaves are also turning, um, you know, uh, color, uh, bright red. But those flowers yeah. are just just a showstopper. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. All right, we're gonna to go to the phone lines. We're gonna we're gonna to talk to Sylvia. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Sylvia. We're gonna. Oh, she must be listening to the radio. Maybe oh, we'll just. Hi um, there, hi Sylvia. Hi. Yes, um, I have a couple of plants that have been outside all summer: a hibiscus and a mandevilla. And I'm. Okay. I just want to know how to. Like to get the bugs off them to bring them in the house. Yeah, and the weather the next couple of days are perfect for it. So I kind of like to bring them up to the up to the side where I can run to the deck. Kind of lay them flat if you can, like right. on, onto the sidewalk a bit, and or lean them over, and then just get the hose out and then give them a good washing underneath with a little right. bit of pressure, not full blast, but a good pressure that it's going to knock a bunch of the bugs and and that off. And then if you have some pure spray green, give them a shot of that after and and give them a just uh, a dose of pure spray green. Or if you have something like the ambush or the bug X with the pimerthrin, that one works really good. And just to give it a good cleanup before you bring it in the house, let it dry off and then you should be good to go, Sylvia. All right. And um, would you spray that into the soil too? Um, you could do a soil drench if you'd like after, and it's also a good time if you're looking at your pot, if it's really root bound, um, while you have it outside, it's a good time to give it a good transplant in it this time right. as well. Okay, then uh, that's, that's all I needed to know. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Sylvia. Have a good day. Yeah, Bye -bye. you too. Thank you. All right. Um, let's, where are we at for time? We're good. Let's go to Ken. Good morning, Ken. Morning, gentlemen. How are you? We're doing great. Yourself? 
good. Oh, I'm living the dream. What can I say? So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you know what? It's so good to hear that. I always love that. Like, you know, like in and uh, you got to live, right? So you betcha. You betcha. Absolutely. I got uh, I got two quick questions for you. I have two large honeysuckle bushes at each corner of my house. They're about 15 to 18 feet tall. And I want to know if it's all right to prune them back right now, or do I have to wait till the frost hits them, or what's the story on that? I'll let Terry take the honeysuckle. Yeah, 15 to 18 feet tall. That's a, that's a good-sized, um, we sell it typically as a, as a shrub. Um, <clears throat> so that's a good-sized shrub for sure. Um, kind of a good general rule is that, you know, anytime you can usually trim back by about um, a third, um, I know honeysuckle is one of those ones that actually does respond well to uh, a good thorough um, cleaning up. You know, say if you want to take that right to the ground, uh, almost you could do that as well. So, but uh, what's the ideal height for you on that? Are you just want to keep it in like the ten foot range, or you want to re- just rejuvenate it? Well, I just, I just kind of want to shape it up. It just kind of, it's like a real bad hair day, you know. It's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, yeah, I mean, can you trim them right back to the trunk, or can you just cut them halfway through, kind of a deal? Or so again, yeah, whatever. So whatever length uh, uh, a branch that you are pruning, um, it's a good idea to generally sort of use that one third rule, so you can take up to about one third off of it. So okay. if you've got a, you know, fifteen. A foot shrub, you can probably take a, a good five feet off of that and get into that ten foot range. Okay. Now doing that, most of those that, that is a, a spring flowering um, shrub, so um, those things will have uh, set their flower buds um, already. Uh, if we go out now and trim them, um, just don't be surprised that come spring you haven't got a lot of um, flowers on that honeysuckle. It, um, it, yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, it's like for me, my lilacs the same way, you know, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yep, you bet. Um, but uh, now I have a large alum tree over, leaning over my deck. Um, and same question is, when can I prune it and how far can I go back on the branches? And do I have to cut them on an angle or do can I cut them just straight, straight the, the, flush? The elm season has just um, started. October 1st, we can start pruning elm again. We're just starting to book them. Um, cause you can't prune in the summertime with the elm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, if it's a larger elm, to be honest, um, Ken, if, if you really know what you're doing, it's good, but I would, um, look at, um, calling the arborist in to have a look at it. If it's a nice big one, um, they can be pruned back. If you need to take a branch off, um, if it's a larger branch, take it off in a couple of sections. Like if it's a 20, if it's a 10 foot branch, take four feet two feet and then get within a foot of it and then take the last section but don't mm-hmm. try and take the whole branch at one time because you'll get a big tear in that okay um, and you want to go about you'll see a little collar up at the trunk like a little bump and that's kind of where you prune to just in front of that that way it can it's called collar and then the collar can heal over top okay um, but again, I just if on some of those bigger trees, because right now you want to remove any dead damage or disease. So same on your honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. Um, while you're shaping it, go through it, um, remove any of the dead damage or disease stuff as well. Then shape it down. Um, and same with your elm, because there's a limited pruning on those, and you don't want to open it up. So some of them, if you if you're not quite sure or don't have the tools to get up high, um, it's worth getting. Uh, 
uh, proper guy in. And I know Mark is just, we're just talking. He's just starting to book all those elm trees coming in now. Um, so that it's that season. Yeah. I, uh, I can't, I can't get any pruning equipment in my yard because the way it's fenced in, I'm putting a scaffold up on my deck and I'll be going up. Yeah, these guys climb. Like, that's why they're trained. Like, they'll go right at the center of the tree. Oh, yeah. Like, that's sort of what they do. They have all the safety ropes. I'm amazed. Like, I watch them and I I love going to some of the job sites and they'll (laughs) just climb up the tree and it's sort of like, it's it's just amazing. Like, they, and it's all, they have the ropes and they leverage themselves up all the way up the tree and they're up on the end of a branch. It's just kind of, I don't know, but it's amazing. And uh, it's, uh, and it's always, because they just know if you're trying to reach and stretch, that's when you end up pruning improperly, end up tearing or ripping the branches. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so just just be careful with it because trees, like you said, you can't you can't glue it back on once it's once you if you cut off the wrong one or or tear it things like that. So, just no, ensure you true. get a good guy up there if you are calling somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that works fine for me then. I thank you. Both All right. Very thanks, much. Ken. You have Take a good care. Day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. And I just I, I just. Like there's in this time of season, you get a lot of guys with pickup trucks, and they and all of a sudden they're uh, arborists, right? Um, <laughs> they have a ladder, yeah. and and they think that they got to see a haircut, like a properly pruned tree. A lot of times you can't tell that it was pruned, and I was just I have a nightmare. I remember going down Elbow Drive, and there was a row of elm trees, and this guy went through and he just topped every one of them, like took about half it off, and it just makes a mess because the tree is oh. going to regrow. It's going to send all this growth out, and it's just kind of it just makes a mess of it. You're not going to be able to reduce. You're not going to be able to keep an elm tree to 15 feet. They're just they're a 30 foot tree, and that's what they do. So yeah, I mean, I'm pretty confident in my own pruning abilities, but absolutely. once it gets past a certain size, um, you know, I'm pretty good up into that you know um, large shrub stage. Um, yep. but, uh, I know that those things are, you know, the value on them is are, you know, thousands of dollars. So I don't mind spending, you know, a few hundred dollars to get the right people out to look at them. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that's, I always refer to, uh, Arborist for, for that work. Absolutely. No. And, uh, Mark and the crew do an awesome job at pruning it up. So obviously that's what we would call, but, uh, there's, there is a few, there's lots of good ones in Calgary. Just be careful. Make sure they're insured. They have the proper tools. And ISA certified to have a couple guys on the crew. Um, it is, like I said, you can't glue it back on. Let's go. We got to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. We're taking all your questions on the phone and on text as well. And that's 403 974 8255. Let's go to the phone line. We're going to go to Connie. Good morning, Connie. Hello. Hi there. Um, How can we help you? I'm phoning about uh, garlic that went to seed. Can we plant garlic that went to seed and expect success? Terry? Well, um, I'm actually new to garlic. So I'm, uh, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm poking some in, in the ground myself this fall. So um, I'm not, I mean. <laughs> is it is it already gone to seed, like the bulb or? Yeah. In the yeah, ground. already gone to seed. Okay, and you haven't planted it yet? No, no. And we were thinking if it's useless, we won't. We'll just go buy more bulbs. Yeah, I. how many of them went to seed? Five. 
Okay. I think for what it's worth, I would probably still try and plant them, and I'd probably still maybe go grab five more. Well, that's um, what I was thinking because it'd be fun to watch them. Yeah. So why don't you do that? Um, and I, what I would do is cut the seed off, leave it for a couple of days, let it heal over, and then we like, break, like break it them out. apart. Yeah, and then break them apart, and then and then I, if plant I break them, them apart, I'm going to have many. Well, that's kind of what you should do, anyways, when you plant them. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Break them apart and then plant them separately. Okay. Is it, plant them separately from the bulbs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then I would know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then mark those ones. Try Sorry, go ahead, Terry. Yeah, I was gonna say just definitely a fun sort of try it and see um, what right. what results you get with that. Right, right. Uh, it's pretty dry out there. Shall I water them in? Uh, definitely. Yeah, you want to make sure that um, we send most things into uh, into their hibernation over winter here. <laughs> that uh, they're you know that ground is as well watered, um, okay. so they have a nice moist nice moist soil pack around their root ball. Uh, do I uh, apply any kind of uh, fertilizer? Uh, no, if you've got you know good garden soil, that's all yep. I would do is, um, and then I would start my fertilizing um, next year, um, starting uh, early May. Uh, what kind of uh, fertilizer for garlic? Uh, for garlic, uh, I, I think just a, reg um, all just purpose, a regular, like a twenty twenty twenty. Okay, um, is, is is all I would use for that. Yep. Okay. Well, good then. That's what I'll do today. All right. All right. No, no, you said break them apart and leave them a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, just okay. to cut that seed off, break them apart, um, okay. leave them for a day or two, and then okay. you should be good to plant. And then if you pick up some new ones, just mark those ones separately and then, right. and then right. let us know how it all goes. Okay, look forward Thank to you. that. Thank you so much all for right. your help Thank and you your so much. expertise. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, yeah, bye. Um, yeah, we're going to have to grow some garlic there, Terry. Now you're going to have to yeah. let me know how it goes. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll hit the phone lines right away. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. I'm here with Terry Kemper, and we're taking your calls. We're going to go right to the phone line. We're going to go to Derek. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Derek. Oh, uh, maybe Derek's not there anymore. Let's go to Jean. Good morning, Jean. Good morning. I'm hi, Jean. Hi. Um, I wonder, uh, first of all, about um, mulching, <clears throat> bringing the mulch up to the trunk of of uh, trees or the up to the plant stems just before the winter really sets in. Is that what we're supposed to do? Um, you can do a bit of that, but yeah, because not to bury, and depends what it is. Though, if it, if you're talking like some of your tender roses or some of the other stuff, absolutely, you want to mulch them over, um, bring it up right over top of them. Um, mm -hmm. But if it's some of the other ones, if it's just your regular trees, you want to keep it away from the trunk a bit, like just a little. Mm -hmm. like you don't want to pile three or four inches up around the trunk of your trees. Okay. Um then what, like, okay, like with a hydrangea, how how would you do, um, I, do that? I, they don't really need that. If it's a regular, like a quick fire or the limelights, I would just, just, just spread the the mulch regularly up to the, just up to the trunk, just like you would that, just a couple inches when it's just around it. Um, that's, uh -huh. that's 
that's perfect. They don't really need the extra protection. But what they do need is this, if you water them in really well, like once they lose their leaves here, give them their last one or two waterings up until freeze up here, freeze them mm -hmm. in good for the winter, and they'll come back beautifully for you. Okay. Um, th thank you for that. And then <clears throat> I also have a question about fertilizing for, for the winter. Yeah. It seems like in the past, I always understood you're supposed to put some bone meal around the base and even use maybe still use some rage plus but lately i've been hearing people say no don't do anything and and i'm just wondering what no it, right now is it still a good time you can fertilize because the trees are starting to download you kind of want to stop like mid-august up until beginning of september kind of thing when because the trees you just don't want to trigger any growth during that time but now the tree is all the trees are starting to download for the most part. So if you mm -hmm. want to add some bone meal, things like that, if you want to your soil, you'll be fine. Rage Plus, like even for your fruit trees, like fertilizing with a 105210 or 153015 or 202020, um, just to get that trigger nutrients into the soil. So that mm -hmm. way it's there in the spring. Um, water them in really well first, though, and then fertilize. But if you can wait, like this weather looks great um, into in October, it's perfect time to to do the fall fertilizer because then the nutrients are there. It's building up the bulbs and the buds um, for next spring, and the nutrients are there right away for it when it takes off in the spring. Okay, can we talk then about hydrangeas again? Um, sure. I actually planted some hydrangeas um, just like toward the end of August. And I'm wondering, is it okay to put Rage Plus on them or is that not a good thing Absolutely. to do? Absolutely, yep. No, Rage Plus is almost great anytime because you're feeding the soil. Um, this okay. thing, water them in well first, give them a shot of Rage Plus, they'll love it. They'll do great with it. It's not going to okay. make them and, grow or do anything crazy. And just before winter, do I put bone meal? Um, if you'd like okay. to, it, it definitely won't hurt. Okay. Um, yeah, it it has it ends up being a bit of a higher middle number, so you'll be good with that. Um, it's good for root growth and things, so mm -hmm. you should be good to go. Okay, I have one other question, if I might ask. Okay. And that is, um, I'm thinking of planting a honeysuckle. I'm not sure, like whether I should do it in the spring, or or could I do it now? And and if so, what one you recommend? Um, Terry, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you have the, uh, if you're able to source a honeysuckle still uh, this year, um, now's a great time to plant. Um, just when you plant, make sure that, um, yeah, you're digging that hole uh, twice the diameter, um, planting that at the same level that it's in the pot, uh, matching the ground level in the soil. Um, and then I would just water it in well, um, maybe give it a, a shot of uh, some Rage Plus and pull some up, mulch up around it and let it go into winter. Okay, and do you recommend the trumpet honeysuckle? Um, th I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a number of them out there um, that, uh, I mean, the Arnold Red tends to be one that, that a lot of people gravitate to just because they love that, that big flush of color uh, um, in the 
in the spring, early summer. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there isn't there isn't one that I could recommend over another, um, oh. but um, definitely definitely popular shrub for for people. Okay, I've just read that that the Japanese honeysuckle is invasive, but that there are some others that are not, and that's why I was asking for a recommendation. Yeah. Like I said, that that Arnold Red, I know that one. Uh, a lot okay. of people do grow that one, um, and uh, the um, sometimes we, you know, we'll find information online, and and there's a possibility that, that you know, I'm not familiar with the Japanese uh, okay. variety that you're talking about, but lots mm-hmm. of times those are not even really hardy here for us, so it's generally not a concern. Okay. Anything okay. that you're buying from um, from a you know from a garden center. Uh, is usually sort of tried and true, and uh, there's a reason that it's in the trade. Um, All right, and we just yeah. got to go for the news. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so stick to zone hardy plants, and you'll be good to go. We got to take All a right, break for the you. news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kempa, and we're going to go to the phone lines. We're going to go to Corrine. Good morning, Corrine. Good morning. Hi, hi there. How can we help you? Hi, Merle. I'm fine, thank you. Um, I got on a little late, and I was just catching the tail end of a lady that was asking about her mandevillas. Yeah. So my question is, my mandevilla is beautiful. It's going up a vine. I didn't realize I might be able to winterize it. What would be the process to that? Well, they can be used, like a lot of people sort of grow them as houseplants as well. So. Uh-huh. Um, is it in a large pot? Like, do you have room to bring it inside? Yeah, I could bring it in. Uh, as you said, it's on a vine, so like on a trellis. Yeah. So basically before, like if I was bringing it inside, what I would do is, like I'd mentioned, if you can try and hose off underneath, because if it's already in a pot upright, um, if you just get the hose and just give it a good spray, like with the spray nozzle with a little bit of pressure, just try and clean off any webbing or any of the bugs that might be tucked in there. And okay. and then also give it a, a spray after that with Pure Spray Green or Bug X, the one with Pimethrin. And right. just just give it a good cleanup. Um, just ensuring there's no spider mites or, or something else like that that you might be bringing into your house that will spread to other plants. And then what kind of location does it like inside the house? Fairly bright, good sunny location. Doesn't like the shade, like... So if you have a dark corner, don't put it in there. It likes a, a well-lit, bright location. Okay. Um, great. Well, I'm and it likes that. a 30-10-10 fertilizer throughout the winter. Okay. That's good to know. I've got, I think I've got some of that. I'll just double-check. Um, yeah, it's good because I don't want to throw – I just didn't want to discard it. It's so beautiful right cool. now. Yeah. yeah, no, if you can try and save those. Um, and you can reduce it a bit, like if it's gotten a little bit leggy or long on you and it gets a little bit big in the house, don't be afraid to just cut those back and um, they respond really quite easily to that. So. Okay, great, thanks. Now, just one quick question. I, I've never worked with bulbs, bulbs before and I did buy some tulip bulbs uh, and I believe they're fall, is that correct? That, that's correct, yes. Yeah, so I'm going to plant them in a south location and hopefully they'll come up next spring. Once they're in, do I have to keep pulling them out every year or do they just take do care of themselves? they stay in the ground? Yeah, find a location that you think, um, and you can plant around them, like you can plant some annuals after they're done. 
or mm-hmm. or have some other perennials in the same area that will kind of grow up a little bit later. Um, but you're, you're picking the right spot. Find a good sunny location so that way they come up early, they do their thing, and then they kind of die back into the garden, and then the new stuff comes up. So you can plant petunias around them or other annuals. But, right. yeah, feel free to just leave them in. Some people go through the task of digging them out and leaving them um, and putting okay. them back in, but they can be left in as well. Okay. Nope, that's great. Sounds easy enough. I'll do that then. Yeah, and you'll enjoy it. But do a good cluster. Like do like seven or more or 10 or 12 or something. Like do a good, like nice little big grouping of them because when they okay. pop up, you'll just get a nice, just good blast of color in those spots. Okay, so the, it keeps the green greenery on it all year, though, doesn't it? No, no, they die no. back right away. Yeah, as soon as oh. they're done, and don't cut them back. If you can leave them a bit, let them die back, because all that energy from the leaves all goes back into the bulb, and then okay. that way they're able to come back great next year and okay. uh, and have that energy in the bulb. Okay, sounds great. All right, enjoy. All right, yep, thank you. Take care. Mm, Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Let's go to Eleanor. Good morning, Eleanor. Good morning, Merle. How are you today? I'm doing good. How can we help you? Uh, I just have a quick question. I think you kind of answered it about the other uh, vegetables and that, but I'm wondering if it's too late in the season to fertilize your lawn. Um, No, actually, right now is a perfect time. This is when we're doing our fall application. Um, Our Green It Up crew is out. We're out doing the fall fertilizer right now. And okay. uh, and usually, like with our greened up, you have full strength in the spring. Summertime, we reduce it up by a third. And then in the fall, you reduce it by another third. Okay. Now, are you talking and about the stuff that you sell in the bags at the store made for you? Absolutely. Yeah, the, sl- the slow-release granular, yes. Excellent. Okay. That's what All I right. wanted to know. Thank you very yep. much. You're Bye now. Off to races. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Um. Yeah, right now, and, and, and fertilizing is, a, it's Terry at this time of year. It is, like, once they get past that and they start downloading, you can do, and a lot of times it's very beneficial to get that nutrients into the soil so that way they're there, they're already into the root system and and ready to go first thing in the spring. Yeah, that's right. Um, if it's present in, in the soil there for them come spring, um, it's not going to do a whole lot with that nutrient right now. But, uh, yeah, definitely um, as we roll into the early part of May, um, lots of people will come in the garden center, you know, um, sort of well into summer and say that, you know, um, they haven't done any fertilizing at all. But um, and that uh, that can be into into June. Right. But yeah. we'll tell people they, they can start fertilizing the beginning of May and then people sort of miss out on that window. So fertilizing now allows them to to get that jump on it. Absolutely, and it, and and you will see a big difference in your trees and shrubs when you fertilize. Um, this is a little bit of care, water, a little bit of fertilizer, and and you see a big difference. You can when you go through landscapes and you see someone who's feeding and fertilizing a bit. Um, definitely, the trees will respond um, tremendously to that because our soil really has zero uh, nutrients into it. Like the the nice. Yeah. The loam that we have on top is great, but most places you have four to six inches of that, um, and then you go right to the the heavy clay, and really there's not a whole lot of nutrients in any of that. So 
we got we definitely need to add it because we're bringing in tree species that aren't really native to our area as well so when we're adding those type of plants we need to supplement the food as well yeah absolutely and when you consider we have such a cool short growing season here we want to make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to get as much as we can out of these plants that we're, we're putting in the ground isn't that the truth yeah. uh, and i was just uh we just finished a project down at the zoo we built a a big landscape project for them a new sitting area great big round patio some nice stone stairs and i uh, went through a little walk through the arboretum and it's always one of my favorite things to do um there's this uh, manchurian black walnut it's unbelievable it has the best structure just beautiful plant um they have some really really nice maples um some big oaks um so lots of Lots of great trees like that you can really, something you can push the zone. So when you go to places like the zoo and it's nice when they have it, everything labeled, uh, you can look down. Yeah. And, um, my son and I, he's in, in Olds College right now too, is interesting. He's starting to gravitate to, to a lot of that. He's out reading the signs. He's looking up into the trees. So it was interesting watching them uh, react to the different types of plants when you see them fully grown like that. And the zoo, the zoo does an awesome job. Like I talk about in the fall, leaving the soil like with big lumps. And I went through there, all their beds, like it's almost they're lined up in soldiers. Like whoever lumps their soil, they do a, a, a perfect job. Like you just <laughs> see each shovel and they leave it in a big spade. Like it's just yeah. all nice and lumpy. All the beds are left like that to air out for the winter. And, uh, but I was just like, like taking pictures of a couple of the soil, um, beds. Cause they just, they just do such a perfect job. Yeah. Of, they do a great job there. Yeah, really. And a lot of it's done with volunteers and I know they have staff and stuff on, on, on the team as well, but a lot of the gardening as well is done by a lot of volunteers. So, um, kudos to them. And if you're looking for a great calorie garden, just to walk through and, and see something that's just thriving. Um, they do an awesome job there. So have a look. If you if you get a chance, go to the zoo. And the, the project that we just built is just to the south of the Butterfly Conservatory uh, Garden. We built a, a big patio and some stone stairs and we're installing some sitting area. So have a look at that as well and have a seat and enjoy the view. So um, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, if you want to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calories Year-Round Full-Service Garden Center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And Terry and I got you covered today. If you're calling in and on the text line, 403-974-8255. We're going to go to the phone lines. We're going to go to Elevin. Hello. Good morning. Hi there. Yes. Uh, nice listening to your show there. Just wondering. Thank how you so you, much. Yeah. How do you take care of clematis coming into the winter? This is uh, this is a Terry specialty, so I'm going to pass it on to Terry. Terry, <laughs> help us out with this clematis. Do you know what type of clematis you have right now? No, I haven't got a clue. 
Okay. Is it a fairly large flower on your clematis? Um, it's about one to two inch diameter. Uh, one okay. inch, let's go. Okay. I mean, just not diameter, the flower at the end, eh? The flower, okay. Um, just that the clematis can be a little tricky. So some of the um, alpina uh, clematis are ones that will uh, bloom next year on the previous season's wood. So we don't want to cut those ones down. Um, the, oh, that's, uh, the, that's what mine's like. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So if sometimes those can get a little um, a little out of control in a growing season. Um, you can uh, certainly uh, trim those back, um, but you definitely do not want to take those right to the ground because they, like you said, we'll need that that um, that wood that they produce this year to flower on next year. Okay, I had lots of flowers this year. Yeah. So is it is it just getting a little little out of control there for for size? Yeah, it it just doesn't you know all the dead branches don't look that nice. So I I was gonna yeah. cut them. You don't, eh? Yeah. So you can certainly give it a, a haircut. You could do that now, or you could do it in the spring. But um, yeah, that uh, I think that would be your best bet for for that shrub or for that yeah. for that uh, vine. Yeah. yeah. If there's any dead wood things like that, like Terry's saying excessive growth in a couple where it just needs a bit of thinning out i think you're totally fine to do that so yep yeah and if you don't do it will it will it just bloom all around there the next year well, yeah but it'll get clogged up it's just sort of like a drain if you leave it it'll slowly start just clogging up and it'll get less and less flower they need the airflow and then that way the plant isn't wasting its energy trying to revive all that old dead wood so more, if you remove the deadwood, it's just going to perform much better for you. And and if you're just taking a few branches, like the dead stuff, um, that's just going to open up and the energy, and it'll grow lots of new vines in the spring. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, so you should be and totally fine. Just just prune out any of the dead stuff, and, and if you need to shape it, if it's going off into uh, around a corner where you don't really want it, don't be afraid just to trim it up. Because as long as you're leaving some good old wood there for it and existing wood, um, it'll grow off of that and be fine. Okay. And what about fertilizer? Um, I like 20-20-20, um, are great for those. Um, high middle number. Um, and you should uh, that should do really good for you. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, let's go to Louise. Good morning, Louise. Good morning, Merle. My question is about ro roses. I have mm -hmm. three rose bushes, two hybrid tea, and one St. Tropez Floribunda. Now, I'm in an apartment building, so I just have a patio to plant on, and these are in large pots. Now, can I overwinter them? Could and could they be left outside in the pots, or we have a large solarium that I could bring them in? Although it gets pretty warm. Terry, um, they are even with them being hybrid teas. Most hybrid teas are in that uh, start in that zone five six range, so they are going to need a period of cold, um, uh, some dormancy to 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 reset. Um, so keeping them in a heated solarium. Um, won't give them what they need. Uh, the okay. problem with them being um, left on a balcony is that um, 
the, the those root balls will get the full brunt of our cold winter. So if our you know if our air is you know minus 35, um, right. those root balls are going to get that minus 35. That's sort of the uh, the trick with planting them in the ground is that if we get those root balls in the ground, the ground right. insulates that root ball, and then we can do things like you know um, we can put you know um, boxes uh, over top and fill them with leaves and you know um, try different things that we sort of protect that um, that you know that plant material that's above ground. But so there's on much, a balcony, not that's much really, chance of them surviving. Really um, do you have any uh, friends or family that could sink those into the ground for you for the winter? No, that would be too much trouble. Yeah. I have one more question about uh, raised planters with bulb, for planting bulbs. Do they do any good in a raised planter? Because I did them one year and I put mulch over top, nothing grew. How large is the planter? Uh, it's pretty high. Yeah. And it's only about eight inches deep. Okay. Actually, the the ones that uh, spruce it up have. Okay. What I would what I would try is if, if if you have enough soil mass there, I would try and put those bulbs towards the center of that planter, um, okay. rather than around the edge. Um, yeah. That's you know same idea as a as a raised bed um, raised vegetable gardening bed. Um, right that if you're trying to plant those um, things towards the center of that soil mass is going to give okay. the more insulating value for those bulbs. Right. And put mulch on top? Um, yeah. Mulch is never a bad idea. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you very much. You I bet. guess I have to get new roses next year. Okay. That's too bad. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> and I discovered I had a John F. Kennedy one, and I didn't really know it. Oh, yeah, so, I mean hybrid tea roses. I mean they are beautiful, and yeah, they, they really do. are. Mine didn't bloom until July this year. They were very late. Yeah, they usually bloom in June. Are well, you thank you good? for your help. Okay, you're very right. welcome. Okay, bye. All right, take care. Bye bye. Um, where are we at for time? Actually, let's just do a couple texts. I got. Um, I don't know if you can see that text, Terry. Any idea why my lilac would change color like this? And it yeah. looks like it's a, like I asked her to send the picture, and I think it's a either a Miss Kim, or is it a lilac? I'm kind of with the colors totally throwing my brain off because it's gone a, a really bright purple, but it does look like the dwarf Korean, or or a Miss Kim, and a lot of times sometimes when you see that, it's just the pigment coming out. It's sort of, it's from the, the ground. And the pigment will come out in the foliage like that. And uh, I think that's just all it's doing because if I'm looking at it, it looks like the other lilacs and it just went uh, it went purple. I think it's just getting the pigment coming out. Any thoughts on that one, Jerry? Yeah, I'm scratching my head on that one too. It's a really interesting picture because I thought at first that it might be just a, a dogwood that, you know, um, got in there and maybe was turning color on them. But it does definitely have that sort of, um, that heart-shaped, um, yeah. vulgaris-type leaf. So um, I do know that, you know, for the, depending on the kind of fall we have, too, um, sometimes it, it, it can throw um, our, our, our plants off a bit in terms of, of how they color up. Some years we get better color from things than, than others. But this one is um, a bit of a head-scratcher for me, too. 
Yeah, and we're, we are getting an extended fall, so I think we're going to see some color in plants that we typically don't see. Yeah, I um, think so too. And, and when some of the times when the plants bloom a certain color, and if they get a little touch, uh, maybe it's sitting in a, looks like it's, you could be down in a cooler, cooler coulee or something like that. Um, if it gets a bit cool, that'll push the color out. When we used to grow the geraniums, um, depending on the color of the geranium, sometimes I could get the foliage almost changing color as well. You get them that crisp color, and it'll, it'll just trigger, and then it'll, and it'll push the pigment out into the leaves, which is kind of cool. So I think uh, you just have a bit of that going on. And we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, phone lines are wide open, 403 nine seven four eight two five five you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr welcome back to let's talk gardening we're heading into the last half hour of the show if you'd like to join us phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 and we're going to go to the phone line we have dave on the line good morning dave hi good morning how can we help you dave uh, I, we just had a new sodded lawn put in this week. Okay. I was wondering, do we need to fertilize it for winter fertilizer? Absolutely. It doesn't hurt. And our Green It Up lawn fertilizer has the high middle number, and that's what you want to be using. Um, so definitely give it a shot of fertilizer. Um, and the Green It Up has the uh, like I said, has a high middle number. And, and when you want to water, this is a perfect time to lay sod, too, because it's not scorching hot. <laughs> And the ground's nice and warm. Um, so watering it for like 20 minutes in the morning and then maybe 20 minutes late afternoon, early evening. And uh, do that for about a week or so. And then you could probably just go down to once a day um, for a few days and then just sort of every couple of days up until freeze up. And then once it's rooted in, um, it'll get solid in two or three weeks. You might even have to mow it one time here if the weather keeps up. <laughs> Should we freeze it? Should, should, should we um, should it be rolled first? Um, the guys did not it, roll it. They did. Did they roll it when they put it down? No. A lot of times, like when they lay, like when they rake out the soil, a lot of times they'll roll the soil first before they roll the sod, before they put the no. sod out. And it depends how soft it is and how much um, loam they put down, or how much traffic is on it as well. Um, if it feels, you just don't want. If you've already started watering it. You just don't want to walk on it, um, right. so because then you're just going to cause more holes and you'll never never get it back. Um, if you stay off it, it'll be fine with it not being rolled. If it was leveled out nicely, and just keep watering it, you'll be fine. It'll it'll firm right up and be perfect. The water will settle that soil down nicely. There's enough clay content and stuff. And then if there's a bit lumpy once it's rooted in, um, when it's nice and moist, if you want to run the roller over it a few times. Um, that'll definitely take out any of the humps or anything. Okay. Fer fertilize it right away? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if Thank you, can. you very much. Yeah. yeah. Fertilize it. Um, just try to stay off it. If you, if you are going to fertilize it, maybe use a hand spreader. I don't know how, how big an area it is. Um, they throw a couple of sheets of plywood out and just try and get out and, and spread it that way. Um, it, it will, will definitely help. So. Okay, well, you, you, you just want to walk on it when it's wet because it'll you sink right through it. So, <laughs> alrighty. Not much soil underneath it, so we're not sinking <laughs> very far. 
Thank yeah, which much. is yeah, but it's amazing when it's wet how it just gets really mushy. So just uh yeah, so that's all. Just be careful. Just go in go in gently or maybe put your snowshoes on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Take care of you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. That's always I, I love when we lay sod at place and I go there to go, oh, my sod's all lumpy and I see all these footprints going through it. <laughs> I said, well, you, what, yeah, you need to stay off it. That would definitely some <laughs> of the, and, and it's amazing. I get, cause it, it is, as soon as you have that water, as you know, right, um, Terry, to, yeah. to fresh loam, it just works like a sponge. So all of a sudden you have this mushy, you start walking in, and then all of a sudden you start sinking. And then you get the panic run, right? You get, oh, oh, da, da, da. <laughs> Great, get, yeah. Or, or if we're doing something out in the country, that's always when the moose, or the deer or something. As soon as you lay sod, no matter what, the moose, this, I'm going to go for a walk through that. It's like uh, a magnet for them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Never fails. Always like right <laughs> through the middle of it. And, uh, and you got to come out and fix it up. So anyways, we got a, a couple, um, texts here. Um, geraniums, how do you winter? And I, and I hear varied, um, um, theories on this. I've never really wintered, many geraniums I've, I've done it just as as stock plants like so in the fall what we would do is typically if they're 12 inches 18 inches high we'd cut them back i would transplant them at this time and let them grow like a house plant we'd just grow them in the greenhouse and then we would take start taking cuttings off them sort of in february and uh and and do it that way but i've heard lots of people take them they, they sort of let them dry out, hang them upside down um, in a cool, in a, like a, um, I guess not many people have them anymore, like cellars or cool, dark places in your basement, um, hanging them. Have you done any of that ever, Terry? I tried once with, um, um, shook the dirt off them and I put them in brown paper bag. Yeah. And then put them down in the, in the basement. And um, yeah, they they look a little scary when you bring them up in the spring. But as soon as you start, um, you know, watering and fertilizing them, um, they they do bounce back. They're uh, they're pretty pretty resilient little things. Those geraniums. So it kind of works like they almost like a rhizome. Eh? They almost create like a bulb, I guess. Eh? Almost, yeah. Like there's enough in there for it to sort of shut down, and then just holds its own through the through that you know that period of um, of not actively growing. And then, yeah, they, they do make a comeback in the spring, for sure. You say they, okay. they look a little scary when you take them out of the bag, but they're um, it is doable. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like you just And that at that time, too, you can probably just take the top third, transplant them into a new pot, get some nice new soil going, and like Terry said, start watering, fertilize with 20-20-20. Geraniums love that fertilizer, 20-20-20. That's what we used to always just use, and it's great, like or 15, 30, 15. But they just they respond really, really well. 20, 20, 20 is a, is a great fertilizer for for any of those uh, geraniums that you're growing. Um, what else? I got one more here. Good morning. Is there any way of wintering our massive SIU's um, Prince Tut that they grew? I'm um, just seeing. Hopefully, oh, I thought you'd maybe send a picture. Um. I've never really wintered the grasses like that. And have you tried the tuts, Terry? I've not wintered any of the tuts, no. Um, we had a lady in here uh, early summer that was showing us some pictures of uh, three large pots that she had in her house 
Um, and they, I mean, they were stunning. They were beautiful. Um, took up a lot of space, but um, it can be done if you've got, you know, um, they're going to need, they're going to need a fairly bright, sunny spot to, uh, to winter over. Okay. So yeah, you can bring them in like a house plant. I would definitely spray them for, for any kind of spider mite, something like that. Give them a quick spray of some sort of insecticide, um, put them into a good size pot. But I wonder if they would go dormant at all. Like, would they be able to, cause they are used as a water plant as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's something we can look up and we can see if, uh, if we can look at wintering, um, any of these, um, tut grasses. We'll, we'll, we'll look into this and we'll, we'll see if we can do that. We'll let you know. All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to let's talk gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and I'm here with Terry Kemper and Terry, I just did a little bit of research on the King Tuts and you can winter them in semi perennial, but they definitely recommend, like you were saying, a good sunroom, bring it in like a house plant, um, good bright location. Best bet. Yeah. So there you go. That way you can have a nice house plant. Um, King Tuts are beautiful, and I, there's again for ideas of of planters walking through the zoo. Um, they had a beautiful one. I'm just going to pull it up, and uh, they had a King Tut mixed in there. I'm just trying to. I take way too many pictures; it takes me forever to find. <laughs> but they also had one where they had uh, ostrich fern, and with um, impatience, just coming through it, it looks unbelievable. And uh, and then another one they just had a tut, um, and actually that was yours. I'm thinking of too the big ting tut you have that's just outside the tree lot, just on the edge of the yeah. tree lot with the calabacoa. Yeah, yeah that we one. had uh, two or three plants in a in a pot with just calabacoa on the outside, and yeah, it was quite an effective uh, container planting, and did did great all summer. It's still out there. Um, yeah, we pulled the calabacoa, but um, the tuts are still going. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe we can bring that inside. And yeah, we should try to bring one. that inside. Yeah. Among the my five other plant, 500 other plants you're trying to winter, Terry. Eh? Sounds <laughs> like we need another greenhouse. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to the phone lines. And if you want to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Um, let's go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good. You? I'm good, thanks. Quick good. question about uh, putting repairing sod. So we did some uh, put in some sprinklers, and we've got some sod to repair. Is it worth putting the seed down now, or should we wait until spring and just? Water How it? big of patches are you trying to fix? Um, there are some strips are probably eight feet by a foot wide. Okay. So what for stuff like that, even... yeah. If it if it's cut nice. I, 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 it's worth. I would just get a couple roll, a few rolls of sod. A roll of sod is two feet by ten feet. Yeah. And I would just cut out those squares and just just lay the sod in there, water it, and in a week or so, you won't even see it, right? Then you're not dealing with that that patch. Um, so that'll, especially if that'll it's, keep over the winter. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right now is a perfect time. If you're laying oh, okay. sod right now, especially with the weather we're having, the ground's nice and warm. You patch that in there nicely, um, in there water, um, it'll be perfect. Oh, great. Okay. One other quick question. I've got a self-patient backyard, 
I've got room for a garden on the east side of the house and the west side. So one gets morning sun and one gets afternoon sun. Which would be the best spot for a, a vegetable garden? I'd go the afternoon sun. Afternoon? Okay. Yeah, it's cool. a warmer sun. It's a hotter sun. And that's what I find most people, if, they, if they're struggling with their veggies and things like that, and fruit, yeah. they're just not getting enough light. Okay. So um, where, wherever you would sit and you'd have to wear a hat more often, I would, uh, I would put yeah. the garden there. That'd be on the patio directly facing south. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, appreciate yeah. it. But, yeah, so just, but then keep an eye on what you're planting too, right? If it's see how many hours a day you're getting. So you might want to go to some of the lower light stuff. Um, yeah, if well, it's getting it, lots it, of it, sun, it, you can it, almost it grow anything. Full, it starts getting full sun about noon and then goes until okay. about 4 o'clock before shadows of the trees and the houses next door. Okay. Sure. Now, that's not too bad. So, yeah, you should be able to grow most stuff in there, but you might struggle um, with some of the, like, peppers or some of the things that need lots and lots. So lettuces, Swiss chard, spinach, carrots, all that kind of stuff should should do great in there. Peas and tomatoes, or tomatoes need a lot of sun? Yeah, it's that patio that you have on, on your yeah. deck. Yeah. Um, grow your tomatoes in those. Just get a couple of nice big pots. Grow them right on the right on the patio. That way, when you're sitting there, you can just reach over and grab a grab a tomato yeah. and. But it they do. Like, they love know, that. If you grow them in a, on the patio, nice big pot, they'll do great as well. Or if it won't get too hot because it's sometimes too hot to sit out there. Yeah, no tomatoes be fine if long as you have them in a good pot, like a good like a twenty okay. inch, twenty four inch pot. Um, they love that, that they can take the heat and just do great. So awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Um, yeah. And I, we get that a lot. And then I, I think we're seeing a lot more of that Terry as, as a lot of our tree canopy is getting bigger and bigger into people's yards is we're getting less and less light on some of our plants. So it's, it's a lot of times it's, it's good time to reassess your garden um, your veggie garden, maybe even the location, and sometimes they do need to get relocated or or creating those raised beds somewhere else in a sunny location. Yeah, that's true. Like our our yards definitely change, the light conditions change as the yard ages, right? And then our neighbors around us too, their trees are growing up, and then that influences and, and affects the light in our yard. So, um, veggies in containers is, is actually a great idea because it allows you to to move them around, especially with with tomatoes. Um, you can um, pop those into the hotter spots of your yard, and they will love that. Absolutely. They'll, they'll thrive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and potatoes, like I said, they need lots of sun as well. Um, I, I, and I guess, and, and you want good soil, but some of these ones, you just don't want to spoil them too much with like too much, like, too much manure. Composts are good. Make sure it's well-aged, though. Um you just don't want to be putting too much of this fresh stuff into your garden. Um, out of a bag, it's typically always aged properly. If you're getting it from your buddy on the farm, just make sure it's well-aged, sitting there for two or three years um, before you start adding it into your soil as it'll just be too much. It'll be too ripe, too much of a of a good thing, end up burning up your plants and, uh, and sometimes causing more harm than good. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to... Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.
Welcome back to Let's Start Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm Terry Kemper. And I got a couple of quick texts, and then we're going to go to the phone line. Um, should I scarify my lawn at this time of year? I really wouldn't. The only thing I'd really do, maybe if it, if your yard is really, really hard, um, what you could do is water it really well and, and get an aerator and pull some plugs, help loosen it up, and then top dress it first thing in the spring. Um, that's something I'd maybe do. But at this time of year, I kind of like just letting my lawn just get ready for winter, do a bit of stuff, fertilize it, um, mow it down. Not real, real short, but not don't keep it too long, um, sort of under the two inches, and uh, and just get it for winter, get it ready for winter that way. And do any cleanup. If there's big, heavy thatch or big piles of leaf on it, I would clean that kind of stuff off my lawn and, and let it go to bed uh, sort of just nice and tidy. And a little bit different than our flower beds where we like to leave a lot of the, the foliage, let it protect itself over the winter. Um, you should be good that way. And Terry, we have one I'm going to give you. How should I prepare my new raised strawberry bed for winter? Um, if you want to winter your strawberries, what's the best way? Um, I would probably, so I'm assuming that she's... Um, prepared this bed and planted these strawberries in there already, um, had the growing season for them. Um, again, I can't, I can't stress enough. The um, raised beds will dry out uh, quicker than um, soils in the ground, uh, ground level. So I would make sure that they're well watered and I would probably try and find some kind of mulch. I would um, either use some leaves um, to, um, to mulch in those strawberries well um maybe not right away i would um because you know leaf mulch is makes great homes for little critters and uh, and such so wait until we get a little bit later into the the fall and we've had some really good periods of, of, of hard cold um freezing temperatures and uh, some good frost and then i would apply that mulch in around those strawberries no and that definitely will help um get them ready for winter and then they should be good just to sit there and uh, and get you through the winter. Let's go to the phone line. We're going to go to Janet. Good morning, Janet. Hi there. Hi. How can we help you? Um, I need to know what to do with amaryllis to make it bloom at Christmas. We had one uh, given to us last Christmas, and it had lots of blooms on it. So we once all the blooms died, we just stuck it in a south-facing window. Um, but it, and it looks very healthy. But what do we? supposed to do now are we supposed to put it away yeah. in the dark or yeah no actually right now is what it actually needs to do it needs to just die back so you need to just typically they need a dormant period so okay. probably what you should have done is a little bit earlier in the season is to stop watering it and let it just dry out um oh. so it's still not you get lots of leaves on it yeah, we have a lot of long leaves, and they're green, yeah. very beautiful looking. <laughs> so that's taking in like the energy. Feet. Yeah. So what you need to do is just I'd fertilize it once more here with 15, 30, 15, or some sort of high middle number. Okay. Just to get some phosphate into the bulb, regenerate the nutrients into the bulb. Okay. Um, and then I would just stop watering it. Just let it dry out. The leaves will die back. Let it okay. let it just do its thing, and then at that point, cut the leaves off, and let this sit. Make sure it's really nice and dry. Stick it into a cardboard box or 
um, a paper bag with a little bit of peat moss or cocoa moss into it. And then I would just stick it into a cool, dark place for eight to 10 weeks. So we're October, November, December. Yeah, so you're going to get something nice in January or February. And so, but, okay. th but that's good, though. You can still get some nice flowers then and then get it back into the cycle of, of the timing of getting it earlier than what you're doing right now. So when should we start? Should I start like August or something? Yeah, even earlier. Like you would put it away sort of in like April or May, let it sit dormant oh. throughout the summer, and then oh. pull it out about this time, even a little bit later, like once we get into November, pull it out November 1st and then plant it up in soil and let it go from there. Okay. So when I put it in this cardboard box, I don't have to take it out of the pot. Like it's in a little six-inch pot. Which yeah, just leave it in the pot small. if you want. Yeah, just leave it all in the pot. That's fine. Just let okay. it dry out totally and then okay. just stick the whole thing in there. Put some more peat moss around it just to keep it protected and and uh, and let it sit there for, the for like I said, eight, ten weeks or more and then okay. bring it back out and replant it. All right? Okay. All right. Thank we got to take. All right. Thanks, Terry, for for all joining right. me this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and uh, Terry and I'll be back next week, and we'll get our garden on right here on seven seventy CHQR.